0: Come spellweavers, reavers, rogues, and men at arms, and answer the call of adventure. Pick up your sword, your axe, your spellbook, your bow, your rulebook, and your dice, and join the forces of good in their eternal fight against vile monsters, conspiring min maxers, horny bards, and blood soaked murder hobos. Discover the treasure trove of role playing games here on Roland Bone. My name is Ryan Howard, and I shall be your guide. Good evening, Boneheads, and welcome back to Rollin' Bones with Ryan Howard, your RPG treasure trove where we are making old school young again. I am your host and king of the Boneheads, Ryan Howard, and you guys all know who this is. You watch Rollin' Bones, you know exactly who we're talking about tonight. Uh, The rocket ship has landed, it has come all the way from beyond Planet X... Uh, joining us tonight to talk all things Big Eye Chungus, ladies and gentlemen, one of the greatest indie game designers in the universe, in the galaxy, in maybe any universe, Levi Combs. Levi, welcome to <laughs> Rowan Bones. Hey, man, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Uh Very well. Very, very well. Awesome. Awesome. Well... uh, like I said, you know, you've got this project that is, you know, coming right down to the wire as we are actually doing this show right now. And that is the zine, Big Eye Chungus. Uh, yes, sir. Which is all about the monster that everyone knows and loves that is known as the Big Eye Chungus. Uh, That's so right. We're, we're going <laughs> to we're, we're talk a bunch about that because I, uh, Ryan Howard, and those of you who like to clip things, you can go ahead and clip this. I am a fan of Big Eye Chunguses. Uh big eye <laughs> Big Eye Chunguses, Eye Tyrants, uh Eye Beasts, Death Perceptors. Those are among my favorite uh, Meatballs creatures. of Doom. Absolutely. Yeah. Meatballs of Doom. All sorts of chung hmm <laughs> And so we're we're going to talk all about that. We're going to talk about this project, and we're going to talk about the uh, the present and the future of Planet X games, because there's always a lot to discuss there. You are a man with uh, many irons in the fire at all times.
1: I, I try. <laughs> I got a lot of ideas in this in his head. I got to get them out. Mm-hmm.
0: It's actually something uh, interesting that I saw from our mutual friend uh, Diogo Nogira. He was tweeting a few days ago. Uh and I can't remember kind of what the context was. I think he was just giving out advice for starting in uh like making your own games, and the thing that he said right off the bat was have at least two projects to start with, which I thought was interesting because I've I, I've been trying to start publishing for a couple of years at this point, and it's just, you know, finding the time to actually write. But I've hyper focused on let's do like one project at a time, and to hear the advice of you need to have a couple projects going at once. That I think kind of made a couple things click in my mind for me.
1: Yeah, Diego's awesome. Um, I'm on that that same thread that you're on on on, on Twitter, um, and he's right. I mean, at least for the the way that I like to do things, um, I find it um, so. Like you know, a lot of times, like you know, you, you were saying, you get hyper focused and you get really deep into it. Um, and you'll just, you know, you're just zoned in and just zeroed in on, on, you know, this one thing. Um, but I find that if I have a couple different things going on at the same time, if I'm working on several different projects, um, when I get into a tough spot, I'm starting to get burned out on, you know, right in this one area, I can go to the other one and it's fresh. You know, it's all about different stuff. There's, you know, different things going on and, um, you know, it helps me to, A, to to not get burnt out, and B, you know, you can often find that one project will kind of inform another. So, you know, you'll be, you know, over here you're, uh, you know, you're writing something about uh, deep subterranean, you know, vaults of darkness, you know, and and over here you're writing something about, you know, I don't know, a wizard's tower and a, you know, a a forested glade and you'd be surprised how, like, the two will kind of, like, one will inform the other sometimes. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it just, I, I just find it ther- almost therapeutic because you can switch from project to project to keep from getting burnt out.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it really is amazing how, you know, working on another project or, or working on something that's completely different from what you are kind of originally setting out to work on will help kind of inform the other project. Like, I, I'm just thinking about how many times I've been watching a sci-fi movie or like a regular uh, modern day set action movie, and thought, "Hey, this would be something interesting for my fantasy D D game."
1: Oh yeah, yeah. What did, uh, Robert Hi- Robert Heinlein said: all the best ideas are are they've they've already been done. You're just stealing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, it's a crazy timeline of uh, of, of ideas uh, in, in one of his books. I think Pass through tomorrow. And when you go and look at it, you're like, yeah, you know, pretty much <laughs> anything you, you can pick from today, you can go back and look. They did it in the 30s, you know, in, in some fashion or form. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, he's kind of out of a crack at, you know, other writers, but he's not wrong. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yep. And then uh, uh, Richie Blackmore from Rainbow said, you either have to be a genius or a clever thief.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, Rainbow. I haven't thought about them in a hot minute. Mm-hmm. Oh, man.
0: But yes, we, we have this zine called uh, Big Eye Chungus, all about the Big Eye Chungus, everyone's favorite yes. monster from uh, the the number one fantasy role-playing game of all time. So uh, let's kind of dive right in here. What is this, uh, this zine or this project? What, what's kind of the utility that this, uh, this zine is looking to fill for uh, players who are going to pick it up?
1: Well, first, don't think that it's going to be all about uh, you know the coolest monster to ever you know float through the halls of a dungeon and uh, you know disintegrate people with crazy eye beams. Hmm. Because a- again, it's not you know we, we there's a big deep dive in, 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 into the chungus uh, <laughs> and all its variants, and we you know, we we get we, we go to some some crazy places. There's almost a dozen variants in there. Um, like I said, we go to some some very interesting places with it, but it's also about like ecology and layers and tactics. Uh, without getting like going into like deep like boring territory where you feel like you're reading like you know a textbook, I, I'm not a fan of that kind of stuff. You know, like I don't need to know like the sleep cycle and all that stuff. But I need to know like what this what are the most important things about this thing so that I can I can you know bring a little I don't know a little fun to the game. Um, so there's a lot of that, and there you know there's some interesting charts and some tables, some cool things you can roll your 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 funny little dice on. Um, (laughs) but the variants, the variants are a big draw, um, because we made sure to, to not like try to duplicate anything that we'd seen before, Mm -hmm. you know, like I, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, make a, make a bunch of copies of, of stuff you've already got in like four or five other books, you know, and just a bad copy of that. I wanted to bring some, some new and different stuff to that. Um, but one of the really big draws in this book is the art, the art and the design. Um, I teamed up with a New Jersey-based uh, graphic designer and artist, uh, Cheese Hasselberger. Mm-hmm. He's worked on a few, a few small things in in some other books, uh, the phylactery and uh, some other stuff. But um, this one, he did all the art. He did the cover. He did the layout. And man, just turning that over to him and just giving, you know, having trust in in, in his his skills and abilities, <clears throat> that was the best choice ever because he really, really delivered on this thing. I mean, it's, it's a gorgeous little zine. Mm-hmm. Very cleverly designed. It's got great illustrations that, um, the more that you look at them, the more things you see, you know? Like, you know, it's it's not just, uh, it's some stock art illustration or just some, you know... He, he took his time with it and he put some very interesting details. And he has a very hyper, um, stylized and intricate style. So, um... I was, you know, it's, it's a little bit of Wally Wood and a little bit of, um, you know, like, like real hyper-detailed uh, and very stylized. And, uh, cartoony is not the right word, but it definitely has almost like comic book feel to it mm-hmm. in in some spots. But then, like, you know, he, he'll he do, like, a, 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 the, the piece on the next page will be like this ferocious, awesome-looking, you know, monster that's, you know, disintegrating somebody or, you know, Chewing somebody in half or something It's just he's got a very uh, interesting and dynamic style, and I was very, very lucky to be able to get him, but also to uh, for him to take such an interest in the project, and to um, you know he didn't he didn't call it in he didn't you know mm-hmm. he he really delivered.
0: And if I'm not mistaken, Cheese is the same guy who did all of the—I uh, I believe he did all the weapons in the three-to-one action main book. And I think he did a lot of the vehicles and children of UMA as well.
1: Um, I'm not sure. I know that he did a a ton of art for, uh, for, um, John McGuire's three, two, one action system. I want to say that the, the children of UMA art is Tim Burns. Gotcha. Who is an Arkansas based artist. I I know that he did like 30 or 40 pieces for John. Um, and those are killer. I mean, those, I mean, that could have been a that's what a good deal that that project was that could have just <laughs> been its own book just the yep. just the vehicles mm-hmm. um, but you know John McGuire is the kind of guy who wants to he really he wants you to have it all you oh, know yeah. like he's not he's not in it for the Almighty dollar he's he, he wants you to have fun playing his game so um yeah you it's just a really good deal on that <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and uh, we we have a uh, chat here from uh, Paul Catrone. Uh, he wants to know how you go about finding all the awesome artists that you work with.
1: Oh, um, so you know, going back to my very first project, I had a little help from a friend of mine who was a um, an art director for Frog God Games. Uh, Casey Christophe, he's been on your show before, I think.
0: Yep, absolutely. Um, bring him back on.
1: Yeah, great guy. He's and he's he, you know he, the he's he's doing uh, he's got some projects coming up too that are that are pretty pretty hot so um but yeah uh, paul he um he helped me out with to get my first few artists he introduced me to them but from there on out most of the guys i found i just found by like going to instagram or going to twitter or you know I, i would see a post somewhere and i go man that's a really cool minotaur let me go and check out this guy's page and i would look and be like oh Oh man, you know, like this this guy can really do. And I, I would just say, hey, I'm doing this project. Here's some, you know, you know, here's here's kind of a a template of what I'm doing, and here's some ideas. Would you have any interest in? You know, I'm a big fan of your art, but you have any interest in collaborating? And um, you know, sometimes they say yes, sometimes they say no. But you know, uh, if you can, that that's how I find them. You know, mm. um, and you know, just be a just be a good collaborator, and word will get around to other artists. <laughs> You know, because the same way writers and publishers talk about you know uh, artists that they work with or graphic design, artists talk the same way about us, whether or not we're easy to work with or whether or not we're dicks. You know, <laughs> like they're, they're pretty. You know, they're they they, they don't want it. if they have a bad experience, they don't want somebody else who's an artist to have a, a bad experience either. So it's the same, vice versa. So
0: mm-hmm. absolutely, yeah, and. I- the, the two creators that I kind of most associate with Planet X uh, art wise, I believe, are both uh, Casey projects, because uh, I think it was Casey that pulled Ed Bickford from comics into role playing.
1: He was. Yeah. Um, so I think I, if I'm remembering correctly, Ed's first work was with with Planet X with me mm-hmm. um, and we did a couple projects together. And then um, I mean, he's obviously so talented and so good. And he has another one of those artists that has a, a very distinctive style that doesn't look like anybody else's. You know, if he decides mm-hmm. to draw a robot or a you know plant monster, it doesn't look like anybody else's robot or plant monster. Right. Like. You, you can look at it and go, "Oh, Ed Bickford did that." Um. <clears throat> so, yeah, Casey met him at a I want to say at a comic con in maybe Kansas City or Wichita or something like that, mm-hmm. and, and they, they they just hit it off, and he. Casey he got his, information. He said, hey, I don't have anything for you now, buddy. He's doing this crazy project of losing robots and spaceships. Why don't you, you know, uh, he's a good dude. Why don't you guys hook up? So and you know, I'm working with that. He's he's doing some stuff right now for, uh, for a book that I, I'm I'm kickstarting uh, in December. So like we, we have a great relationship and a good friendship. Mm-hmm. I really like working with that guy. You're gonna say Adrian, right? Yeah, Adrian.
0: Adrian. Adrian's the other one, and he was Casey's student.
1: He was, um, and Adrian's fantastic. You know, mm-hmm. um, he he's done a great deal of the covers for my for my books, and um, a lot of the interior illustration. He just he's one of those guys who not only is he a, like a joy to work with, like just a cool guy, like you can go back and forth with him, but like he's an artist and an illustrator, so. You know, he has his own very distinctive art- artistic style. Again, he's one of those guys you can look at it and go, oh, that's Adrian. Uh, he does work equally as good in color and in black and white. Uh, some, his color palette uh, for covers and, and uh, color interior illustrations is just insane. They really pop. Um, but he's also an illustrator, so he's very professional. So mm-hmm. if he says, I'm going to have these seven pieces for you by this date. By the data before you have all seven of those pieces, and if something needs to be changed, or you know somebody's hand isn't turned the right way, or you know maybe the, the flames need to be green instead of you know orange, you know he has zero problem about going back and fixing that within reason. You know it's like you know he doesn't <laughs> want to go back and fix something fifteen times, but um, he wants he is just as invested as you are in making. He's not just there to get a paycheck. He wants you know, he, wa- you know, he wants his legacy of work to look good you yep. know it's you know when people go back and look at it 10 years from now they're like that's a great cover and he just delivers straight across it he's mm-hmm. awesome i could, i i hope i'm pretty sure that one 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 day the the software companies will snap him up but um <laughs> i if i could i would work with that guy forever mm-hmm. you know he's just that good and that easy to work with and a, and a delight absolutely
0: Yeah. And as I've been kind of formulating my own projects, I've had moments where I've been like, I have this thing that I really specifically his name comes to mind. Like I, once I get to the point where I can hire artists for this thing, I, I want this to be something that Adrian does. If he has the time for it. Why don't you
1: reach out to him? Just, I mean, we're not running a
0: cult over here. (laughs) Give the guy some work. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Now I, since Ed Bickford has come up, uh, I and I know you know this idea might have already occurred to you, but why didn't we get Ed Bickford drawing some kind of a uh, robot eye Chungus in this book?
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so the, when I pitched this this uh, project to, to Cheese. Mm-hmm. I said, "Hey, I want you to do the cover. I want you to draw everything. You know, gotcha. I don't want you to be any, anybody else's artist. It. It's just just you and I. Mm-hmm. So that's what we, when it comes down to it, that that's why. Although Cheese did, uh, there's no, it's not a robot Chungus, but it is a clockwork Chungus. Gotcha. Um, and he did a very cool illustration for that. Um, mm-hmm. And that's actually in the preview. If you go to the, um, if you go to the Kickstarter, there's a little preview page in there. I, I believe that has the clockwork Chungus on there." You know, and Mm -hmm. there's the Ayun chungus and the void chungus and the blind albino chungus. There's all kinds of chunguses. Yep, But that was the one um,
0: that's one of the ones that really stands out, you know,
1: Mm -hmm. very, very cool.
0: Absolutely. And Lou has joined us here. Lou, welcome. Thanks for uh, for swinging by. We were just talking, talking good things about you before we went live. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Always good things about Lou. We never mention the bad things. And let me tell you, I got a notebook filled with bad things. We could say it. No, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> We're going to give that guy a big hit.
0: <laughs> shirts are horrible. No, I can't talk crap about the Hawaiian shirts. I love the Hawaiian shirts. But uh, when it comes to the I-Chunguses, uh, I feel like everyone who has ever rolled a set of dice has had some kind of memorable first encounter with this particular creature, whether they were flipping through their monster manual and just went, what the hell is that thing? Or the GM threw, you know, this, uh, you know, monster at them. And they said, again, what the hell is that thing? Uh, I have a story about one of those encounters that I facilitate for someone, but I want to know what your first encounter with uh, the, uh, the eye beast, the big eye Chungus was in your gaming uh, experience.
1: Yeah, so obviously it's comparable to the coolest monster in that first edition uh, monster manual. Yeah. It's you know we all know what we're talking about here, uh, and it's a great monster. It's a it's you know a super genius. It has you know eleven different eye rays that do insane things. It's um you know it has cool layers and maneuverability, and it has you know it's just a it, really what it is is a PC death machine. Um, I feel yeah. <laughs> almost like like you know it was created to like humble players, mm-hmm. you know, um, but and you'll find that spirit, the spirit of that, you'll find that in Big Eye Chungus. But there's no du- there's no duplication of of, of that particular monster right. in, in in the zine. Mm-hmm. Um, we go off in different crazy ways, like the Iun Chungus, for instance. You know, it's this chunk of uh, of glimmering crystal, um, and it's got these other floating, rotating glimmering crystals that kind of you know circle around it and they can do you know they and they all they don't have any of the same powers as the as the as the other chunguses They they doing all kinds of strange and bizarre prismatic effects and shatter and you know uh, and it has its own weird goals and and things that it that that it's into that don't make any sense to, to you know to, to creatures of our to uh, inhabitants of our world so um, that's another that's another really interesting thing that I, I think we get into in, into the book is like what motivates these things like where do they come from are they just monsters that are terrestrial or are they like interlopers from a different dimension do, are they aliens like there's all kinds of different things that we postulate and I think that's you you can take the big eye chungus you can put it into your MCC game you can put it into your Gamma World game you could turn around and put it into your Wasteland game, you know, whatever kind of apocalypse. Or you can just be fantasy, you know? If you really want to go like crazy weird fantasy, you know, like go Savage Worlds or DCC or something like that, mm-hmm. it fits right in. It's 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 a, it's a an iconic monster, but with a twist um, and lots and lots of differences. So, mm-hmm. um, especially on those variants, man, you get really, um, there's some really weird stuff in there. <laughs> there's a little, sw- like there's like a Chungus swarm where it's all these, <laughs> all these, Tiny little uh, itty bitty chunguses, mm-hmm. um, but they kind of have a hive mind. So, like, they they have access to all these different powers, but at one time they can only the, the eyes can only use like one of the powers. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so it's not just a bunch of different things. Like this round, it might be you know they're going to use this ray, and the next round you know, the colors shift, and they do like you know it's it's like a different uh, it's like a different array. ray. Um, mm-hmm. So you can kind of outsmart it, and you can use tactics to to uh to, to get around things um but yeah that was a that was a fun one and the illustration is is awesome in the in the book again cheese nailed it
0: mm-hmm. yeah the the first time i got to uh kind of introduce someone to this particular creature or to a creature that is very similar to the uh, the big eye chungus uh i was actually running a game for my family so I had convinced mom and dad, both of my sisters, uh, my sister's boyfriend at the time, and my wife were all sitting around the table at Thanksgiving time playing D anD D that I was running. And so, at the climax of the game, uh, I start describing this thing, and I say, <laughs> you know, you, you hear first, you hear this voice, and my my voice for uh, all chungus like creatures is the same i always go like this this is how they talk <laughs> all right and so i start doing that voice and um, they're all like okay that's that's weird and then i say you see this ball this giant like six foot sphere floating and as it turns around, you see this giant eye in the middle of its face, and it's got these razor sharp teeth, and it has these eye stalks, and it was the, the word eye stalk made someone at the table, I don't remember who, but I think it was my little sister, actually go Ugh, like wretch <laughs> a little bit. It's just like I,
1: I love it. <laughs> eye stalk. Yeah, it's a very alien thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Like there's not I mean, you know like almost like crustacean-like, you know? Oh, yeah. Very, very otherworldly.
0: Mm-hmm. And a lot of this uh, kind of builds towards my personal headcanon, I guess, about the uh, the, the Chungus-type monsters. Uh, they are aberrations, according to the the monster manual, at least according to uh, the 5e monster manual, and I think sure. most all of the ones that came before. Um and Aberrations, all of the like text about them is no one knows where they came from. No one knows precisely where these things came from. And they encompass not just the Chungus types, but also Gnothics, uh, oh, yeah. Gith, Mind mm-hmm. Flayers. Uh, and the Gith and the Mind Flayers have spaceships. So because they're all lumped together as Aberrations, my headcanon is... Uh, the Chunguses are aliens. They're space aliens, and specifically,
1: yeah. yeah,
0: they they hail from a planet that looks like a hollowed out rock version of one of them. Because the only like the Chunguses can only give like only be born by the the dreams and machinations of other Chungai. So. I- all right. where I, I they like have that. come from has to have been like the ultimate chungus
1: yeah we actually get a little bit into that um in into, in the zine um where we possibly well, you know one of the uh, there's all these different ways like how do they get here what why, what are they where do they come from and mm-hmm. one of the one of the things that we pop that we uh, kind of expand on is um a planet-sized chungus you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, this, like, do you, you remember, do you ever read like Green Lantern back in the day? And they always oh, yeah. had Mogo. He was the, mm-hmm. Mogo is the big Green Lantern that, uh, you know, had, they had the big swath of green across the, the planet. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, uh, and you know, there's also Ego, the living planet. There's all sorts of stuff in comics and, and pop culture where mm-hmm. you have these, uh, planet sized, um, beings with these great powers. So we just did the Chungus version of that. Um, but there's a great little adventure seed, and it's one that I've used uh, often um, in there as well, where a a meteor streaks from you know d- you know down from space and crashes in this, you know this town on the edge of the hinterlands or some you know far you know town that's a little settlement you know with just just farmers and crops and log- logging and things like that, and out of the crater you know this this meteorite or you know, meteor orb or whatever it is cracks open and out floats a you know a chunk. Hmm. Again, because they are these, you know, super genius creatures, you know, they're very, extremely cunning and they're, you know, very intelligent. And then all the traditional powers, are half of them are geared towards just, you know, just being a dick, you
0: yeah. know? <laughs> like, <laughs>
1: Absolutely. And all your know, fear and charm and all these, you know, crazy mm-hmm. things. You know, I realized I didn't answer your... Hmm. What the, what the rules actually were so it was just always the guy DMing <clears throat> so I, I want to say that like the most memorable one that I had was it was a near TPK it was nine players mm-hmm. and uh, I want to say it was seven or eight of them were killed and then um, you know I had a, a lair that was all hollowed out with
0: uh, Levi you keep freezing up on me I am not sure why but Mm i think uh i think bad mike got you with his router i think
1: he uh i router real quick
0: gotcha All right. So while uh, Levi is resetting his router, this this will be uh, riveting for those of you who uh, consume the show on audio. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- these creatures—I've said before th- these are some of my favorite monsters. And one of the uh, one of the ideas that I had was that uh, you know, for like a sci-fi game situation. Where, you know, I, I was running some kind of like D&D situation, space, like a Starfinder or Spaceships and starworms. Uh, I would have a whole planet run by one of these things in the shadows. Basically Xanathar, but in space. But, you know, that's, you know, that would be kind of like my sci-fi pitch for uh, what these things can do. How, how are
1: we looking now, bud?
0: Uh, good. We're good. <laughs> All right. Sorry about that. <laughs> and it looks like uh, Legion of Myth is here. Welcome, welcome. Glad you guys could make it. Uh, and uh, Lou has a great question here, uh, not related to Chungus's, but uh, he he does have a question about Kickstarter campaigns. Uh, so okay. he recently had a conversation with Bill Barsh and Ben Burns. Uh, someone else I need to bring on the show. Ben Burns at some point. Really? Uh, but they were debating about the best length for Kickstarter. So, uh, what uh, you know? What are your thoughts on the best length for a uh, a Kickstarter campaign? Do you do you have any thoughts about that?
1: I, I do. Um, <clears throat> are we talking like just purely on the financial end?
0: Uh, looks like Lou actually just ducked out. So, um, yeah, sure. Let's let's take that angle at it
1: you know um there are a lot of people who have, who have like ran these numbers and you know, mm-hmm. people who are way smarter than me who have spreadsheets and you know all the, all this stuff um but what i found that works best for me is um i choose a date where i straddle two pay periods mm-hmm. i don't make my campaign too long uh, i don't want it to be uh, 30 days i usually go for 21 Sometimes 20, sometimes 22, just to kind of depending on, on where the date falls. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't find a big difference between doing 21 days and 30 days, mm-hmm. uh, like a month, um, other than I see more drop pledges over the course of a month because, you know, people get into a, a tight spot sometimes and, you know, they're thinking, you know, am I going to, you know, how, how am I going to juggle this? So, um, you know, I, I just find I have less. Drop pledges and that and it, from from thirty days, um, to twenty one days, and then um, I found the best week to do it usually is on a Tuesday, on um, the second week again. That allows mm-hmm. me to straddle the beginning of the month, sorry, the middle of the month, and and, and the, the first of the of the next month. Usually, yeah. um, so you get two pay periods in there. Um, but financially, that's just you know that's that's kind of my model. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, for the the non-financial part, it's, you know, as far as like length or like when to do it, um, there's, you know, the doldrum months, you know, in the summer is the, the summer months kind of have a, they're, they're a little bit slower sometimes. Yeah. Um, so I try not to do, uh, too, you know, too much in the summer. That's usually when I'm, I'm catching up on all the other stuff that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, um. It, again, it depends. Like, are you doing your own stuff? Or are you doing something for DCC? Are you, you know, are you coinciding your launch with a launch of a, a bigger product? I mean, there's all these little variables. But um, yeah, there there are people who are way, again way smarter than I who have uh, who have done the spreadsheets and, and done the but that you know and done all the you know you have know, gotten way into it. But um, that's been my
0: model. So gotcha, gotcha. It seems like Ben Burns was agreeing with you in the, the conversation that Lou was having. No. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, I like Ben. Mm-hmm.
0: And I've actually, I if I've met Ben, I don't know that I had actually met him uh, specifically. I'm sure he was at North Texas when I was, but I don't think I've actually had a conversation with him. So it, it would be interesting to bring him on the show.
1: Yeah. I think new, new comic games is his, is his, uh, his brand. He does a, t- a ton of, uh, you know, um, Lovecraft and Cthulhu stuff. So if you're know if you into that uh, cosmic horror stuff, you know, then, um, you know, Ben's your guy. He's mm-hmm. one, of, one of the, one of the guys that's out there, you know, writing award-winning material, you know, he's, yeah. he's, he's got a lot of, a, a lot of good stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. There are a lot of, uh, alliterative names in kind of the, the circle of, uh, I guess the the OSR the, the, the specific circle that we find ourselves in, uh, there's there's a lot of kind of Stan Lee ish names. There's you know <laughs> your your Ben Burns, your Ben Barsh, your Bill Barsh, your Casey Christopherson, your Lou Al Lu. Yeah, like
1: it's like you know in uh, in the old Superman comics, uh, every girlfriend had to have uh, a name that had the same you know like Lois Lane. Laurie Lermanis, Lana mm-hmm. Lang, you know, Lex yep. Luthor, you know, it was all of that kind of stuff. So you may, you make a very good point actually. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's it. A, that's that's an angle that I never I uh, never really uh, saw before.
0: <laughs> Maybe I should uh, professionally change my name to something like Ryan Riley or something like that. I don't know. Can't do Ryan Reynolds, <laughs> that's taken. But
1: Yeah, you, I mean, you know, you got the hair, you
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately i can't lay claim to the most glorious hair in in our circle because uh unfortunately you know or fortunately because he makes great games but ben barsh is out there uh oh, claiming the hair
1: championship there's a reason they you know he has the nickname the hair i mean he yeah. has
0: the he, he is in
1: contention if not the lead for best hair in, in rpgs mm-hmm. uh but i tell you you know john mcguire is right there with him he's, oh, yeah. he's got that gloriously insane head of hair so mm-hmm. I, I you know God bless him.
0: <laughs> Last time he was on the show, Hambone said, uh, I believe he said before we jumped on the call, I'm taking a shower real quick. And then he came on and he looked like he always does. Yeah. And so my, <laughs> I didn't ask him this, but the question in my mind was, did you do your hair specifically for this show or does it just look like that?
1: <laughs> well, Hey, Greg, Greg Gillespie too. Great head of yep. hair. And also uh double, double letters. <laughs> mm-hmm. He could be a he he could be a, a Superman villain too with the with the double letters.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, Lou, unfortunately we're gonna have to reschedule the uh the the hair versus hair match between me and uh Ben because uh the last week was kind of a technical failure on my part as far as <laughs> actually getting a stream out there. So uh we'll have that conversation in September. <laughs> Who would be the best special guest referee? I feel like it needs to be someone either also with glorious hair or someone bald.
1: Oh, Tom Tullis. You got to have. <laughs> or, or, hey, you know, or Skeeter Green if you're yep. really going to go for, for for a bald guy. Um, you know, mm-hmm. why not why, why not go with the with, with the alpha bald?
0: Yep. <laughs> we might have to do like a lumberjack match where you know Tom Tullis, you Skeeter Green, every just like surrounds the ring.
1: <laughs> you know, uh, uh, um, Jen Glazer did the, the funniest thing at the cons this year. Tom couldn't uh, couldn't attend for various reasons, so she <laughs> kept taking pictures with bald guys at the cons, <laughs> of, of which there are many, as we all know. Yep. And, and and tagging herself on uh, on on Facebook with Tom Tullis, but it was a different bald guy each time. <laughs> yeah. Glorious, glorious prank.
0: Oh Telanian, how can we forget about Jeff Telanian? He's gotta oh, be involved yeah. in this somehow. <laughs> he's like the alpha
1: sword and sorcery guy. I mean he's he's the the pinnacle. He's the if you after you defeat all the other
0: bosses you get to Telanian. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, there there are uh like three prevailing hairstyles amongst kind of the North Texas crowd. There's uh there's bald, there's shaggy, and then uh there's the kind of somewhere between bald and shaggy.
1: <laughs> I think uh, the the style you're looking for is uh, I've given up <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah. uh,
0: I kid though guys I love all of you <laughs> every single one of you and I can't make too many cracks about that because most of you make up my audience so
1: <laughs> my mine, mine too <laughs>
0: To keep making fun of people for not having hair, then suddenly I'm going to have a whole bunch of hair and no audience. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, you mentioned before we came on the air, uh, you know, obviously this is a zine project. You've done a, a crap ton of zines already. Um, you did mention though, that you've got some modules that are coming up soon and you've got, you know, already, you know, kind of planned out the, the next few projects. So as far as what you've got in the immediate future, uh, you know, what would you care to, to share with us here about, you know, the future of planet X?
1: Um, sure. I've, I've got, um, so yeah, you're, you're right. <clears throat> Definitely making a switch over, uh, not a switch over just kind of just changing course for a while. Cause we really have been zine heavy the last year and a half or so. Um, I mean, obviously, we did uh, Jungle Tomb and the Mummy Bride for DCC, which is a big 148-page uh, hardbound book. Mm-hmm. But almost everything else has been uh, has been zines, you know. And it's just and I've I've gone and done Weird West zines. I've done retro sci-fi zines. Done a bunch of fantasy stuff. I've continued on with the phylactery. Uh, because I, I'm at heart, I'm a huge fan of, of zine culture, and I really really like the format because. As I've said on a a numerous other shows, like a zine, is like a concentrated blast of something cool. Mm -hmm. Like you're you're really getting like a a genuine um, like artistic vision told in 48 pages. Like boom, you know, it's like just a like kind of a shotgun blast to your face of just you know a a ton of content. Um, At least the the way that I do it, I like to pack a lot into it into my books. So, um, but having done these projects now for you know. The last year and a half or so, uh, more than anything else, I kind of want to have been wanting to return to modules um, and uh, you know adventures, hex crawls, that sort of that that sort of thing. Hmm. Um, So I'm doing the next one. We're doing it's the next Kickstarter is uh, three curses for Sister Saren. and that's a uh, yeah no, it's a it's a it's a low level you know first second third level adventure um, which is the first of that type that we've ever done. We've never Hmm. done first first level adventures before. Um, and it's very, very sword and sorcery. Uh, there's a great writer, um, Mike Lee, um, who is just—you uh, know—I I gave him a very small treatment, a couple lines, really. Uh, and he took that and just really turned it into this super cool, um, this just super cool introductory adventure that is a, is the most sword and sorcery adventure that that we've done at Planet X Games, like. There's a giant black skeleton in a lake. There's these ruins. You don't know if they're an alien or just you know, ancient civilization. There's a, a cursed town. There's nunsploitation genre grindhouse mm-hmm. just pouring out of this thing. Uh, but it's also, at its heart, extremely um, sword and sorcery. So really looking forward to that one. There's some great art in it, uh, some great cartography. And then, of course, Mike did a bang-up job on the writing. Um, after that, there is uh, an occurrence for Howling Crater, but for it's DCC-compatible. Gotcha. And I've, I've been uh, converting, uh, not converting, but writing that with Jeff Seifert. He uh, helped mm-hmm. with the conversion and the writing on uh, the DCC version of Jungle Tomb of the Mummy Bread and did a fantastic job. He did a fantastic job on this. We're adding some new things, um, kind of an, a little introductory adventure. There's going to be a, a town you can start from and a, a bunch of different little uh, add-ons and, and things to kind of kind of make it more um, more playable for DCC, specifically for DCC, because I hate it when somebody knocks the serial numbers off something and just says, oh, it's DCC or it's it's uh, Pathfinder or it's whatever, but they don't really go in and do much with the rules and how the rules, mm-hmm. you know, um, how they mesh with the adventure. So we're just taking our time and being very, very careful to make sure that it's a true DCC product uh, instead of just something that... Um, you know, we just not again knock the serial numbers off and mm-hmm. put through, and that'll round out this year. That'll be out in December. Um, or the, the Kickstarter will hit in December, yeah. And then next year, um, just a slew of, 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 of modules, really. We'll, we'll do something for Zine Quest next year for sure. Um, been working on this project called Dungeon Malarkey. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, just about all these cool things you can put in your dungeons. Mm-hmm. I think that'll be a very useful, um, very useful zine. Um, but then there's uh, Luau Lu has written one for for Planet X um, called um, Assault on Witchgate 13. Again, <laughs> gave him a couple little lines of, hey, this, this, and this. And boom, he just you know came out like a freight train with this <laughs> badass module. Uh, so he's just kind of fine-tuning that now, working on it. Uh, but I'm already in love with it. I really, really like what he did with that. And um, some of the ideas and the framing – um, and the kind of the, really the overall the direction that he took, which is not a direction that I never would have even thought of. So, mm-hmm. um, and that'll be a, a nice higher level module, you know, again, which, uh, not as high as like something like Skullcano, you know, mm-hmm. but like a kind of a mid to high level adventure, f- uh, for your seasoned, your seasoned players. Um, I'm courting this, uh, this really, really awesome writer that I like for, um, a project called the secret of Harrow house. Mm. hmm which is um, without you know giving the whole thing away. If there's a haunted house, there are, are some Scooby Doo hijinks. But again, uh, there's a very sinister thing going on. There's a thieves guild. There's a there's some 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 interesting little uh, turns and ups and downs in that one. That I'm I, I feel like this particular writer I, again. I don't want to mention his name, um, but I'm a big fan. Um, <laughs> but I I think that he would be just be a a bang up job at, mm-hmm. um, and then the other adventure is this. I've been working on it for a while with my friend Ian McGarty. Um, the name has changed a few times. We originally called it uh, "This Dungeon Is Alive," um, <laughs> but it kind of grew into something bigger than that basic mm-hmm. concept. Where, you know, where the dungeon was alive. Um, it's kind of grown into this bigger concept, and um, we've taken some really interesting twists and turns with it, and have explored some things that, like, I never would have you know entertained but you know ian just has this crazy creative brain that just you know spits out these you know hey how about this how about this how about this and then whoa you know like it's a tidal wave of awesome ideas let's see what we can get out of that so Mm -hmm. i don't know uh what time of the year that one will be out but we're we're mostly done with it we're just kind of fine-tuning it um oh and then one uh one one last project uh, one that I've, I mean, we've actually been working on it for a, uh, for a while uh, all this whole past year, but it's called um, uh, Chainsaw Warlocks, Hecatomb Creeps, and other ungodly bastards. <laughs> and it's a uh, yeah I know yeah <laughs> that's a very Planet X name oh yeah um, and it's a uh, it is a uh, a villain book not just a monster book not just a source book for villains but it's like you go we go from levels one to twenty and we give you a, um, our CR one to twenty, and we give you an interesting, weird fantasy villain for each one of those CRs, and of course stretch goals that will push it into higher levels, and it adds some other interesting, um, uh, encounters and you know layers and different things. So it, you know it could start out as a, a seventy-five page book, but it could blow up to be two hundred pages. You know, it's like it's a <laughs> villain book, but with a real, real weird fantasy. And when I say weird fantasy, I don't mean like sword and sorcery or your Tolkienish kind of like a, way out in the left field. Like these are really singular, unique, and strange, strange villains. So, uh, yeah, that's a So it's a full a full slate of stuff uh, for the end of this year and then all next year. So gotcha. looking forward to it.
0: And uh, Paul Catrone, again, here in chat, has a question about uh, the Sentient Swords project. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, so there's that, all the stuff that I've been talking about, it's it's all just um, this is all just stuff that I'm working on for Planet X. Like I've done a bunch of other stuff this year um, for a couple other companies I really, really like. The, the Frog God um, <laughs> and uh, Emperor's Choice has revived the Arduin line. I'm a big fan of Arduin, so I'm doing something for them. But then um, Exalted Funeral, I got teamed up with a really great team over there. Um, and we uh, put together a book called The Vorpal Almanac. And it's just a book about just badass magic swords. Mm -hmm. Um, And instead of just giving you a book that's where, you know, we go way deep into, like, these are the powers of the swords. No. This is an OSC book. You already have the book. If you're playing OSC, you already have a book all about what the swords do. Or what what a a magic, what a Nine Life Slayer does or a Sunblade or whatever. You already know what that stuff does. This is more about, like, the history of the sword and the lore behind it and, like, little bits of interesting... Plot hooks and names and places and that you can put into your campaign that um, that will you know just spur ideas and spur play. Um, it's not your granddaddy's uh, sword book. This is something different and the art. So um, <laughs> Sally Canarino is the, the the artist on this, and she she did the cover. She did all the interior. And it will blow you away. Like it's some of the best art that I've ever had paired with my words. Um, yeah, she is a revelation as far as as, as art goes. I mean, mm-hmm. her stuff is just is really top notch. She, she's a, a, a comic book artist and an illustrator, um, and total pro. Just, I mean, it looks awesome. Like if, mm-hmm. when when you see the cover, that is it's, the cover is so good but when you when when it finally comes out and you see that cover like just know that the inside is like just extrapolates off that like it's just mm-hmm. it just and every every sword has a you know has has an illustration and it's not just a picture of a sword it's like there are people holding the sword or things happening with the sword like it's not a it is not a boring book <laughs> visually speaking it is not um, you will not go to sleep uh, pages of this book it's it's fantastic and then again the team and exalted funeral. Um, I've just been, I've just been amazing. Jared Crater was the, um, was the uh, project manager and mm-hmm. man, that guy's, you know, juggling like 500 things at once and he still didn't dial it in at all. He was fantastic to work with and for.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The exalted funerals put out some great stuff. Um, and you know, obviously that's the, the retail home of planet X as well. Oh if yeah. If you want to. You want to get some Planet X stuff. If any of the stuff that we've talked about uh, has piqued your interest, you can find it at Exalted Funeral. Um, One thing I will say, especially with the DCC version coming out, it's been a while since I told this story. Uh, But when uh, when I first read An Occurrence at Howling Crater, I knew that you had sold it with barf bags at one point. I did, and I thought, okay, that's that's you know, oddly presumptuous. Uh, you know, this is a, it's a book after all. This is an RPG supplement. You know, what's it what's it really going to do? And I started reading some of the descriptions, and I felt sick to my stomach. And I was like, that's that's why, that's why Levi sold barf bags with this book. Uh, and and I mean that in the most complimentary way possible because it's. It's an homage to Hills Have Eyes and other, you know, similar kind of mutant hillbilly type uh, horror movies. So the fact that you got that just from text.
1: No. <laughs> thumbs up. I appreciate, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yes. The, the new version uh, will also have a new version of the barf bag. But I'm also hoping that we hit the stretch goal because I want to do um, um, 3D glasses. And I want to have a whole section that you open up, and it's in 3D. Nice. So like, there's a, like there'll, there'll be a. I don't want to again. I don't want to give this away, but there'll be a section where you will you you know as you're going through and you open it up, and it's it's in the, you know the was a ris- risograph or whatever the, uh, mm-hmm. the the red and blue. Um, but you have to put on the the, the glasses yep. for it to pop out. You know, so I, I think that would I would think that will be a... uh will hit all the B movie notes. We'll hit the, <laughs> the 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 science fiction like, strange, retro, vintage, rocket sci- sci-fi, the B-movie sci-fi that's that's in the last half of that book. I think it'll hit all the high notes of that. And it'll just be something cool for the, not only for collectors, but for the people who are reading it um, and playing it. hmm Because they'll be able to put, you know, when he when the when the uh, judge at the DM wants to show it to the, the players, they'll be like, hey, put these on. <laughs> and uh, it, it'll be a, that'll be a, a cool little thing.
0: Mm-hmm. I think the only thing it needs is, like, a, a, a cigarette burn just on the corner of the cover.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's the, the same way that I told Shane Hensley to uh, individually take every uh, Marshall's badge from uh, the new Deadlands game and, and shoot them with a forty five. Hey, just a go. little cigarette burn <laughs> on the corner of every copy.
1: <laughs> nice. <laughs> I haven't um, played that new deadlines game, but i did play weird frontiers and oh, uh yes. and <laughs> north texas with with david Beatty. he was mm-hmm. the uh he was the, the the judge um and uh we all played luchadors mm-hmm. that was our, our we were a traveling luchador troop that ended up in this uh you know ended up in this in this town that was you know, and then there was a problem yeah i don't, i i don't want to give his game away but it was mm-hmm. it was fantastic it was one of the the, it was the best game that I played at North Texas at, at this last year, but it was also uh, just one of the best con games, period, I think I've ever played. So, mm-hmm. a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, that's that's one of the great things about Weird Frontiers. It, it goes out of its way not just to make an unarmed character feel like they can hold their own against the armed characters, but to make a luchador kind of work in that world, uh, which... <laughs> It was cool. It's awesome because you know luchadors are awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, it wasn't just one luchador; there were like yeah. eight of us. Yeah, you know, we're this traveling wrestling troupe, You know, it was, it was mm-hmm. very, very cool. Um, it 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 played just like a an old like El Santo and Blue Demon meet Dracula <laughs> kind of scenario. You know, It was very, very, uh, but really cooler than that movie is because that movie is actually you know aside from when the luchadors are on screen, not really that great. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but David's you know, his, his, his game was awesome. So. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. But that, uh, the, the sword project that you're working on, uh, or, or have worked on, uh, Oh, it's
1: done. Like yeah. it's, it's done and turned in. And I, I, I really think they're just, I mean, it's all laid out. I really think they're just, uh, um, you know, getting like printer quotes and stuff. Like I, it's, it's like, it's almost ready if, if, if what I'm being told is, uh, is, is still accurate. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's it's coming. <laughs> Sorry.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that uh, that's another thing that I've been thinking about uh, with yeah. some of the projects that I've been working on. Magic swords are cool, but a lot of RPGs have kind of gone out of their way to make not just magic swords, but swords in general, boring. Um,
1: yeah. Yes, that was the whole <laughs> that was the whole genesis of this project. Yeah. The Entire. That's exactly how I pitched
0: it. Mm-hmm. And and swords are cool. Sword, yeah. like swords in real life, are cool. Swords should be cool in your game, and the idea of, uh, like, like Paul mentioned here, sentient swords—swords swords that talk to their wielders—I love sentient weapons in my RPGs. I put one in almost every game that I run.
1: Yeah, I mean they're they're just cool. I
0: mean, think of the list. I mean, it, and it's
1: a long list of like, from sword and sorcery to weird fantasy to just typical fantasy, like. There's, you've got your Stormbringers and your Narsils and, you know, your Longclaws and, I mean, Excalibur. I mean, every... Every, every you know, major fantasy story or epic, they all have. They all have those swords. You know, yeah. some of them have, you know, if you're Fred Saberhagen, you've got, you know, like a dozen. It's so, yeah. You know, it's like... They, 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 not only are they like a fantasy trope, but they're, they're a tried and true, like, there's something that I think every player wants to see at some point in their game. So, mm-hmm. and I joy for the DM because you know you you get to play right along with the characters. You get to play your own little <laughs> your own little character. So, mm-hmm.
0: and and while we're kind of on the subject, I, this is something that I've talked about a couple times recently, and something I've been thinking about again recently. When it comes to stuff like magic swords, magic weapons, uh, what are your thoughts on? these have to be items that are found in a dungeon or on an adventure or as a, like, you know, reward for killing some kind of big monster versus, like, buying magic weapons or, you know, powerful magic items in, like, a shop.
1: I've never been a fan of, of, of buying, of the buy, go buy magic items. Thing. It, it, it kind of strips the, um, to, to, for me, this is mm-hmm. just just for me. Um, it, I think it feels like it strips something out of the coolness of it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but you don't always have to find it by killing something like right. it could be it could be inherited. It mm-hmm. could, in fact, in the in the back of, of the Vorpal Almanac, there are like there's there's all these really cool tables that I put together. And one of them is like, how did you how did you find the sword? Like, where did the sword come from? Like, why do you have it? You know, like and then, boom, you know, it's it, it just basically a tool for the uh, for the DM or the judge to just go ahead and generate ideas you know just mm-hmm. off that table and then that way not not every time not every sword and not every story is going to be the same like oh we got this from you know that dragon's lair or we got this from you know we, we found this in that lair of ogres or you know this hey this belonged to that that drow assassin you know like no mm-hmm. like there's so many different ways that you could come that you could um come across those things and I, I, I think that's missing um it, you know, generally in, in, the um, w- in the talk about, um, magic swords in general, mm-hmm. you know, like, cause again, in this book, like you, we really let the lore and the, um, you know, the story about the sword and like where it came from and what it is, and what, it, what are its goals? Like all these cool things, really, that really all takes precedent over what it can do. Like there's a, a line or two, like, Oh, it's a sword of sharpness and it does this. But then everything else is dedicated to like, you know, all this cool lore and, and plot hooks and story, story. And you know, it, it ends with like, here's a way that you can, you know, the entry ends and like, here's a way that you can get it into your campaign or here's a way that your players can find it, mm-hmm. you know? And you, you tag that up with like all the cool things in the back on those tables. You can do some really neat things uh, with Swords with this book.
0: Mm-hmm. Something that I've done a couple times now in, in my campaigns um, having players find notebooks from like a wizard's lair or something like that that have these drawings, these designs, basically like a schematic or a blueprint for these magic items. I, I think both times it was a uh, Rod of Lordly Might. That Yeah, I, that's
1: great. That's great. I, I love that.
0: Because that it, you then have the secondary quest of, okay, I have this thing. Now, who can make this for me? Because you can't just go to... Uh, one-legged jack the blacksmith in whatever town you're nearby and be like hey can you make this and he's like oh yeah yeah i i made four of these yesterday you have to find someone with the skill to you know be able to do something like that
1: oh yeah many many years ago um i mean i'm talking like 20 plus years ago i had something very similar where um a, a guy was i was having to do a lot of solo play with with a guy that you know, was in the navy and Mm-hmm. there weren't very many people playing dungeons and dragons it was just me and this guy and he had a pre-existing character who was a who was a wizard and i was just kind of trying to think of cool things that he could do solo games where it was just him with this wizard um and one of the things was he he found something very similar for a, a staff of thunder lightning mm-hmm. um where hey here's how you do it you know here's all the things you need but now you got to go out and find them so yeah. i had this big broad list of ingredients and th- places and things that he had, that he had to go do to put together this um, well, uh, this uh, staff of thunder and lightning, and that was a, a really fun. Uh, camp- I, I remember it as being really, really, really fun Uh because mm-hmm. it brought him into contact with all this different stuff, and he had to go all over and piece things together and trade this for that, and you know, it was a lot of fun. So yeah, I, I totally get it. Uh, I, I like the idea of finding a schematic for a rattle early mic because that really is kind of a I'm like almost a, less magic and more mechanical, like yeah. a cool bit of technology that you would get. So I, I really like um, I really like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, a lot of great things that you have coming up and, and I don't know how much you want to get into this right now, but you're also doing a, uh, a Halloween, uh, module for, for, was it a frog God with John Hambone McGuire?
1: Yeah. Uh, so it's, this is a really neat project. Um, I'd wanted to, John and I've been friends for for several years now, um, and we kind of came into RPGs at the same time. Like we we're kind of like the same graduating class, you know, <laughs> you know, like uh, class of two thousand eighteen or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. um, that's we both got our start at the same time. Yeah. Uh, him with the vintage vintage RPG and and his three two one action system, uh, and me with Planet X Games. So we've been helping each other out, and uh, he gives me advice. I give him advice, but. Um, I pitched this idea uh, to the frogs for a not just a Halloween module, but like the most Halloweeny Halloween module that, that had ever been made mm-hmm. without being like going off in like crazy gonzo territory. Right. Uh, like it's still a very playable horror module, but there's just a lot of um, uh, very Halloween centric uh, ideas to it. Uh, and then I thought, like, you know, I'm very busy. I've got doing this stuff for, like I said, Emperor's Choice. I've got my own stuff going on. Like I need. I need to team up with somebody, like somebody I respect and and I like their writing, and I know can get it done. So I called John because he is the most, other than myself, uh, he is probably more, more, more so than me. He is the most. uh, He he loves Halloween. You know, Hmm. he loves horror movies and and uh, you know genre films, and um, he's just very into Halloween, uh, much like myself. Yeah. So we were just, a, and I was curious. Like, is this going to be a good team up? Or are we going to mesh together our writing styles? But it, it turned out fantastic. <laughs> like, he was extremely easy to work with. He brought a ton of ideas to the table. Um, everything that he touched, uh, he improved. Like it was, it was great. So we we have a, a module called uh, Heresy of Rot, um, and again. Very very Halloween. There's there's a headless horseman. There's a haunted house. There mm-hmm. are pumpkins and cornfields and black cats and witches. <laughs> and it's a very very Halloween um, season module. So it be great for you to run at your table, um, you know, in, in October. Mm-hmm. But it's being paired up with another module, so it's not just coming out on its own. Like there's the the, the Kickstarter Indiegogo. I'm not, I'm not sure how they're releasing it. Is going to be Two modules. Like you, you can buy one or you can buy both. But it's being paired with this other module, which is um, Casey Christoverson's "Fungus God from Outer Space." Nice. um, Which the name alone should give you like creature feature, late night B movie vibes. You know, for days. Mm -hmm. Um, And that 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 module is actually a uh, a sequel in in. I'm just guessing in in execution and spirit um to one of my favorite modules of the past 10 years which is um Encephalon Gorgeous from the Moon which Casey also also wrote but um those two together will be like this crazy halloween late night double feature that you can that you can get like they're perfect like one's very like again like very you know interplanetary weird fantasy sort of like again late night creature feature kind of movie uh, with these really great overar- uh, overarching themes. Mm-hmm. Um and then you have John and I's you know like, you know very Halloweeny um but still a very, you know, tough horror module. Yep. You know, but it's where the it's like where the rubber Meets the Road with Weird Fantasy and horror. Um like horror out of Hag's jaw Yep. When I when I done with for them previously. Like it's still a very, you know <laughs> it's still a very horror oriented module. Mm-hmm. Um so you got like you know, I get to team up with two guys that I, I I like and respect, and the art on it. You know, Adrian's on it. You know, yeah. he's done some really cool stuff for it, and, and some of the other um, Frog God um, artists, which uh, their artists are great. Um, great covers on both of them, um, and just some really neat little little tricks and, and cool things that that we all did to make these modules special. So I'm looking forward to seeing them in print. I've seen like the, the art for them and psh, come on, man, mm-hmm. how can you go wrong with a gravestone? That's, that looks like a Ouija board, you, <laughs> know, like, you know, like there's some, there's some really, really cool pieces in here. Like it's just, uh, this is just neat. I'm, I'm very happy that it went off without a hitch and that I got to be a part of it. Mm-hmm.
0: it. It sounds like something that would be great to, to play while you listen to some, some ghost or some Oingo Boingo or something like that.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna say like uh, what, what is that? Uh, what's that song? Uh, Tuello, Co- to- is it Toto Coello? Is it uh, the Sucker? Uh, was it God? What is it? Sucker for Your Love? Do you remember that song? Yeah, it's the '80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, re- I just can't remember the, the name of the, the, of the band, but it was like an all-girl band, and they did that crazy like like Dracula <laughs> pre pre thriller uh, crazy dance. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a it's a homage to your you know, um, monster mash vintage Vincent price, you know, uh, sounds of horror, uh, tape that you had at the, at the party when you were 13, you know, mm-hmm. lots of candy corn and, uh, <laughs> yellow and orange and black colors, you know, nice. <laughs> it's good stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So, uh, as far as, you know, keeping up to date on what you have coming up, uh, or, you know, what you've got going on right now, where can people keep track of uh, the goings-on of Planet X games?
1: Oh, I mean, you know, we're on the big three for social media. I say the big three. The big three for people my age. I'll put it <laughs> that way. I'm not on TikTok. Uh, but I'm on Facebook. I'm on uh, Instagram, and I'm on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So if you go to Facebook, it's just Planet X Games. Uh, if you go to Instagram, it is. it came from beyond Planet X. And then uh, Twitter is Planet X games po Co as in company mm-hmm. um, and you just you can find it pretty pretty easily all that stuff I need to get a link tree going but uh, <laughs> haven't quite got there yet yep one of these days and then of course exalted funeral if you go to exalted mm-hmm. funeral type in Planet X games or just Planet X um, and there's like 13 or 14 things on there that you can get yeah so there's there's a there's a bunch mm-hmm. and more coming
0: yeah <laughs> And, and even if you don't want to buy any of Levi's games which uh, come on y- yes you do but you know the, the, the Planet X game the uh, it came from beyond Planet X Instagram account is wonderful uh, for several reasons uh, in addition to you know what it is you do with with gaming you also seem to be like a repository of just kind of oddball cultural stuff. <laughs> And there, there's always something to discover or to rediscover. On it came from Beyond sure. Planet X on on Instagram, including uh, w- one of my recent favorites. Recent, as in like I think this happened a year ago. Uh, you uncovered Mike Crane's Ninja for Jesus album somewhere, oh, yes. and I was able to uh, you know say in the comments that I not only knew Great who story. Mike Crane was. I had met Mike Crane. <laughs> I, yeah. I had gone to uh, his the the camp that he owned in East Tennessee because uh, my dad was a football coach, and he every year would run this eight man football tournament, uh, and and the teams would go to Chapel where he would do his ninja stuff in Chapel. He'd like cut watermelons on on football players stomachs and stuff like that with a, with a samurai sword he, he's a wild man uh, unfortunately uh he he went down for some uh sex crimes yeah. but
1: uh <laughs> the Count Dante of Tennessee yes
0: the count Dante of East Tennessee exactly that's that's a great way to put it
1: yeah that you know th- that uh that Instagram page got started around the same time that I started Planet X and it really just reflects my love of pop culture of genre films, grindhouse films, exploitation films, comic books, and just odd little nuggets from, uh, n- nostalgic bits from my own, my own childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's why you see, a lot of the stuff you see is like from the seventies till now, not you know really too much older stuff, unless it's like creature from the black lagoon or like, mm-hmm. Hey, here's a picture of Adrian Burbo or something, you know, <laughs> like I think yesterday I, I posted a picture of, uh, Jody Foster's cr- crimped hair—it's <laughs> just such a bizarre photo. I had to, I had to share it. But um, yeah, I'm always, always. Um, this is kind of like a, a stream of consciousness kind of thing. That's like whatever I'm, I'm, I'm ingesting and taking in at the time. Like I was thinking about, you know, I was thinking about uh, Mr. T cereal the other day, so yeah. I had to do like a five paragraph post on Mr. T cereal just because it's so. You think about it, like, you think about, like, Mr. T and where he came from and, like, how he was, like, a god in the 80s, Mm -hmm. like, you know, he's got his own cereal and it's, like, talk, there's a rap song about being nice to your mom and (laughs) there's all this crazy, you know, stuff, but, like, what an icon. So I had to, I had to do a little deep dive on that, but.
0: His, uh, his weird cartoon series where he coached a gymnastics team.
1: Yeah, like, like, what? You know, like, but you know, without that, you'd have never gotten something like Mike Tyson Mysteries, you know, like you <laughs> <Yep. never> have <laughs> never gotten that without Mr. T, Mr. T's and, and the T Force, yep. you know, a, that's the a good stuff. Yeah. And, you yeah, know, that's a, a lot, I draw a lot of inspiration for that stuff too. It keeps me like fresh and like, yeah, keeps me, you know, always looking for something new and um, all that stuff informs the, the stuff that I put in my modules. So mm-hmm. there's a lot, of, a lot of Easter eggs in my my, uh, my zines and, and books. So, um, if you have a eagle eye and a little bit of a knowledge of pop culture, you'll catch them.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, Levi, thank you so much for coming on the, you know, these conversations that we have on this show are always a blast. Uh, you never yeah, know what, stuff. what kind of turns they're going to take, whether we're, we're talking about, uh, Mike Crane or, uh, sentient <laughs> swords or, you know, whatever it may be.
1: No man, it's all—it's always uh, always fun to come on here. And you know, again, like I was telling you before the show, you were one of the first guys that like gave me bear time. You mm-hmm. know, that said, "Hey, come on and talk about your silly little books." <laughs> you know, like
0: you were one of the the very first guys, man. So it's really uh,
1: it's really a pleasure for me to come on your show. So thank you.
0: Absolutely, and anytime. It's it's always great to have you on and hear what's you know coming up next from Planet X. What what's going to. Uh... I think as crafty Matt Craft said best uh, when Matt! I was in Legion of Myth, uh, <laughs> he said, "You have uh, it was something like Levi Combs has direct access to my wallet or something like that." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Matt. <laughs> but yeah, that that's the way I feel when it comes to Planet X games, and that's obviously the way that Crafty Matt feels too. So, well, kudos to Crafty Matt. He's another guy I think has been
1: has been with me since like day one, like, like jungle tomb of the mummy bride going all the way back to like 2017 or 18. Like he's, Mm -hmm. he's been around since day one. So yeah, thanks Matt. It's kind of you to say, sir.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Well guys, that's going to do it for tonight's show. Uh, you know, thanks again, Levi, for coming on. Thank you for, uh, you know, all of you who have been watching live, you know, the, the tech God shined on us. I think my, my problems are over. I will, uh, I don't know, pray in the direction of Microsoft headquarters five times to make sure that uh, (laughs) my computer doesn't crash again between now and next week. So, you know, hopefully uh, next week will be fine because next week we have a newcomer on Rolling Bones, uh, someone who's never been on before, and that is Matt Gullett. He's coming on to talk all All about the Long Con in Longview, Texas, a convention I've never been to, but heard great things about. So... If you guys want to hear about the long con, want to, you know, hear about what Matt has going on besides that next week, we'll be talking to him. So, you know, until then, whether you rolled a one or a 20, I'm so glad that you all rolled your bones with me, Ryan Howard, and uh, I will see you guys next time.